Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle, creator of the Teenage Personality Quiz. Head to TalkingToTeens.com for a free PDF explaining how your teenager thinks. We are here today with Linda McGurk. She is the author of There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather. She is a Swedish-American journalist and blogger, and she lives with her family in Sweden now, but she's also uh, lived in Indiana and Montana in the U.S., so she got really interested in the cultural differences between parenting in America and parenting in Sweden and what those can tell us about how we can all parent better. Linda is a an avid outdoorsman. She loves getting her family outside and she writes about all of that natural parenting and outdoor play and her writing has appeared all over the place from Outdoor Families Magazine, Childhood 101, Green Child Magazine, and many more. And her blog is called Rain or Shine Mama. Really interested to bring her on the show today to talk about how you can get teenagers outside and um, what you can do with teenagers who are on social media and don't want to go outside. So all that and more is coming up on the show today. Uh, the book is called There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather, A Scandinavian Mom's Secrets for Raising Healthy, Resilient, and Confident Kids. And uh, I, there's some stuff in here that's like so fascinating. I always think like cultural differences are are really, really interesting to me because it's like kind of becomes invisible. You know, you, you live in a certain culture and you just sort of like accept that this is the way things are, you know, and this is the way parenting is. And this is like the way that things just go. And so, so it was just like so fascinating for me to see some of the things in your book um, that, that are different in uh, different countries, you know, and, and um, just, and you talk about other countries as well, um, not just, you know, the U.S. and Sweden, but so um, can you just talk a little bit first about kind of the story of what inspired this book and kind of how it all came about? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the whole, you're right, the whole, uh, the whole idea of different cultures, uh, treating the whole parenting thing differently is, is really fascinating. I think we've seen books about Chinese parenting and French parenting. And then I thought it was uh, about time somebody wrote a book about Scandinavian parenting. My book mostly talks about the role of nature connection in childhood. And it came about because I, uh, I'm, I was born and raised in Sweden but I moved over to the U.S. when I was in my 20s, and I lived in Montana for a couple of years, and um, the outdoors was a big part of my life growing up in Sweden. And I was able to sort of pick that up in Montana as well, but then we moved to Indiana, and we had a, our first daughter 11 years ago, 
And that's when I really started to notice some big differences between, not just between the cultures, but also parenting cultures specifically. So for example, in Sweden, it's, it's a very common custom to let your kids nap outside, even like very young babies. And even in the winter, even in freezing temperatures, you know, and in Indiana, it was, people were even like afraid to take their babies outside at all in the winter time. So <laughs> needless to say, there were some culture clashes with, you know, other parents not what like being very sort of questioning of what I like, can can is it is it okay to take my baby outside and though I was thinking you know, I'll I'll wait till the mm. spring comes to to go for a walk you know and this was so foreign to me I had just assumed that um that taking your kids outside um in the winter or any time was sort of common practice anywhere um so you know it started already when when they were babies. So that's sort of where I got the idea for a book. I thought I wanted to share my story of growing up in, in Sweden because I know um, how healthy it is for kids to be outside and to be in nature. So uh, one thing that I thought was really, really fascinating, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but is the concept of free loof sleeve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Free loof sleeve. Free loof sleeve. Yeah. Okay. So yes. what the heck is that? And, <laughs> um, and how is that different from the way we do things in America? Good question. So free loof sleeve is uh, it's a cultural tradition of sorts uh, that's sort of passed down from generation to generation in Sweden. Uh, the word itself sort of originated in the 1800s. Um, it was, um, it, it literally means uh, free air life. And it came about as a reaction against industrialization, actually. So it started among the cultural elites um, who they sought out nature um, to sort of get away from the cities. I mean, this is already back in the 1800s. So uh, they wanted away from the pollution and the noise and the people and the, you know, the traffic and um, or horse and buggy, whatever it was back then. So they just went out into the countryside. And after the Second World War, then the, the government started to promote it because they realized this was really good public health measure because people felt good when they were outside. And also people started to have bigger disposable incomes and they had more time off. So that's when it really started to become a movement uh, with more people being able to go to the countryside and, you know, away from the cities. And today, people still leave the cities for the same reasons, you know, to get away from traffic and noise and all that. But we also need to get away from technology today. It's getting harder and harder to find places where you can actually shut off your cell phone and just sort of be in the present moment. So, we're finding that today it's more popular than ever, actually. And I think that's got to do with the fact that we're always online, you know, plugged in on our devices. And um, so, so Friluftsliv is, is still very popular. And it's, it's different from outdoor recreation a little bit. Um, that would be the sort of similar term that you would use in the U.S., 
the difference being that friluftsliv is very much um, about just being in nature. It's a, it's a sort of, I, would, I call it slow nature, just like we have slow food and, and things like that, because it's, it's just about experiencing nature without any pressure to achieve or compete. It's just, um, it, you know, you go outside without a specific agenda and, and um, it's, it's sort of the space where humans and nature meet and where, where the two intersect. So it's typically non-motorized. Uh, so kayaking, for example, would be considered friluftsliv, but going out on a motorboat is not, whereas that could still be outdoor recreation. Like mm. water skiing, for example, that could be outdoor recreation, but it's not friluftsliv because it's an action sport. You know, it's more about the sport, personal thrill. So it's not, it's not about that meeting with, with nature. And it's typically non-competitive. So an, a walk, just a, a slow walk in nature is friluftsliv, but running a, a 5K or a 10K, for example, not not quite because you're competing. So it's it about the your race. It onto the competition. In yes. Way. Yeah, and you're mm-hmm. competing your time or whatever it is. Yes. So it's, it's not about personal thrills or achievements. It's just about connecting with nature, sort of using all your senses and sort of developing um, a, a, this deep sensation of connectedness with nature and a love for nature and also learning survival skills even though it's not it's not about having like a, a curriculum it's not you know it's not like a classroom but it is about having this desire to learn uh, with nature as a teacher so more informal and you don't have to be an expert um, it's just having the willingness to learn it's not a set of activities it's more just like a culturally learned rhythm that revolves around being um, outside and experiencing this oneness with nature A lot of parents have told me that they thought about hiring a therapist or a counselor for their teenager, but they weren't sure where to go to find someone that they trust. I recommend checking out teencounseling.com. They'll match your teenager with a counselor right where they spend the most time, on their smartphone. It's more affordable than traditional counseling, and financial aid is available. Talking to teens listeners, get 10% off your first month at teencounseling.com slash talking to teens. So I've been running a little experiment this week, having a scoop of Wild Foods Cocotropic in my coffee every morning. And I got to say, I am feeling amazing. My mental clarity and focus is so sharp. I'm waking up at 5.30 every morning without an alarm clock, just ready to go, feeling great. So I got to say, the experiment's been a huge success. If you haven't tried Wild Foods Cocotropic Mushroom Powder, uh, it might sound weird, but I would highly recommend checking it out. And they've even given our listeners a 12% discount as part of our partnership. And you can get that with the code TALKINGWILD at wildfoods.co. There's this guy, Wim Hof, who's got this whole method. Uh, he's called the Iceman, and I just think his stuff is, like, really fun. But, you know, there's a lot of studies, actually, showing the benefits of, like, being out in the cold. Like, just 
just like how working out dresses your body a little bit, but it's actually good for you. So are, you know, uh, things, studies showing things like actually oxygen deprivation, where you're holding your breath or like, you know, training at a high altitude where there's less oxygen or, you know, putting yourself in a situation where it's really cold, you know, freezing temperatures actually encourages the growth of like brown tissue in your body, which is like good and like makes you more resilient. There's actually like a ton of benefits to getting uncomfortable and putting yourself out. And so uh, one thing that I thought was super interesting, we talked about just like for a second earlier, but uh, was this idea that like people in, in Sweden and Scandinavia in general just kind of like let that their babies sleep outside or put the baby in the stroller and just kind of bundled up, you know, but just let them sleep outside on the porch, which I thought was like so interesting and, um, and, you know, you point out there's studies even showing like that then afterwards they're like more alert, they're more engaged, they have a bigger appetite, um, you know, that, that the sleeping outside actually is good. And it made me really think about all this Wim Hof stuff and um, how we kind of, uh, you know, he recommends like taking cold showers and ice baths and stuff like that just to like uh, re like get back in touch with this, you know, because we it's harder to even do some places if you live in LA, um, you know, it's like there that cold doesn't even exist. But, uh, but so reading this book just like got me really thinking about how it's interesting how that's is part of the culture there. And it's not as much here. And, um, you know, if you have a teenager, you're not maybe going to be leaving them outside to nap. Um, but like, how, how you can um, get them out into the elements a little bit or, you know, um, just start to kind of push them into like uncomfortable climates a little bit more. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, yeah, the, the title of the book, I just have to come back to that because that's what this is all about. There, and the, it's actually an old Swedish saying, um, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. Um, so that's what, <laughs> where, what the title comes from. And if you have grown up in Sweden or anywhere in Scandinavia, if you've heard it once, you've heard it a million times because that's what all the adults just tell the kids when they whine about not wanting to go outside when it's rainy or, or snowy or whatever, uh, uncomfortable weather. It's just an attitude that we have that the weather doesn't matter. We know winters are going to be long and dark and the weather is going to suck a lot of days in the winter, but the health benefits are so great from going outside that we're not going to let that stop us. Uh, you just kind of have to get over that. And so that's why a lot of parents try to foster this sort of early on, get the kids used to being outside in inclement weather so that they work up this sort of resilience or they just, they don't think twice about it. They It becomes part of their just sort of normal routine. And then it's like, okay, it's raining. Okay, well, we'll just dress for the weather. So that's kind of the 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 other part of this is you gotta dress for the weather. Of course, the, the easiest way to do this is to do it from when they're little so that they're used yeah, to it. Yeah, start them napping out there before they yeah, even yeah, know yeah. what's my, going on. <laughs> my, I, I rarely get that excuse. Like, my kids like rarely say anything about the weather anymore. They're uh, 8 and 11 now, and they they never question or say, like, well, it's raining outside. Because they know, well, we go outside regardless. Because that's what we've always done. We've gone outside every day since they were little because that's what we do. Um, but if you have older kids and you feel like they're too sedentary and they they need to get outside more and 
I mean, it's never too late to, to start. I think it takes a little more effort on the part of the parent when the kids are older. Uh, it will probably require you to get out there with them initially. And yeah. that's, that, that's the same for very little children, of course. You can't just like let a toddler outside on their own. They need some <laughs> supervising. Uh, so there's, you know, a few years there where, where they need watching a little bit. But then, of course, the goal is for them to play independently outside, assuming that you're in an area where it's safe to do so, which is, you know, I think uh, a, a lot of places... Um, and, uh, as they get older, once they get into electronic devices and things like that, um, then it, it starts to get a little harder again. Cause normally, you know, younger kids, they really gravitate towards outside play. They love being out there and, and being allowed to jump in puddles and get dirty and climb trees. I mean, as long as us adults sort of step back and actually let them, uh, play in an unstructured way, uh, kids love outdoor play. Um, but you know, once they get a little older and they start, like I said, they, maybe they have get their first tablet or, you know, it's, it's just a lot easier for them to stay on the couch. And, and us, it's the same for us adults. Of course, that's the, that's, we, 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 I think we're wired to choose the path of least resistance, right? So, of course, it's easier to stay inside. So it, comfort. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it takes a lot of drive from the parents to, to get the kids outside. It, it still does for me on, on some days, you know, even though they don't protest about the weather. Um, my kids don't always want to go outside. But so I have to, you know, I have to push it. I, and it's, it's to me, it's the same as just like I've pushed them to eat their vegetables and to, uh, you know, brush their teeth at night. And I know that doesn't sound very sexy. Like, you know, it's just one of those things we have to do, but that doesn't mean they don't have a good time once they are out there. It's just getting them out the door is usually the hardest part. So, okay, the first thing I hear you saying is like, um, is getting them the right clothes, uh, making sure they have, you know, the clo the right clothes for whatever the weather is outside, and then um, making the effort yourself, modeling it yourself, and then making the effort. So I'm wondering what that looks like in terms of, you know, just like saying, hey, we're going to go for a hike today, or like just say, or what, what have you found as your kids are getting a little older? is kind of the, the strategy for getting them out on those days when they don't do it on their own. Right. So I have a few different things. Um, and it, it kind of depends on time and what other activities they have. So, and also the time of the year, because during the winter, it gets dark really early here. Um, it's, mm. it's, yeah, it gets dark. It's dark by four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so not only do you need the right clothes, you also need headlights and reflective vests. Mm. Yeah. So you need some equipment, but it can be done. And they actually really love being outside in the dark. So for example, on a school day, say a Monday afternoon, they come home and, you know, maybe we'll eat some, um, some food and then we go outside and it could be as simple as just going for a little walk around our neighborhood and we have headlights and they, and they want to play, um, hide and seek or we play, play, um, um, flashlight tag. 
So just we have like simple mm. little games like that. Um, and we're not outside for hours on end during weekdays because there's just not enough time. I and mean, they also have homework and, and some other days they have other activities too. But to me, it's important to just have that, even if it's just half an hour, to at least have that half an hour to go outside and do some games and, um, you know, just, just have some together time outside. Uh, and, start and then on the habit. Yes, creating a habit is really key. Then on the weekends when we have a little more time, we try to do some some bigger activities and maybe get maybe we'll drive to a nature area a little farther from our home and uh, maybe we'll just do something simple like uh packing a picnic. They love uh you know just packing some sandwiches and hot chocolate when the weather is cooler um, and often we'll bring a special treat as well just to make it a little special and mm. um, just go for a little hike. Maybe we do some things along the way as well. It just depends. Uh, we, we listen for birds or we talk about what the animals do in the winter and just things like that and just connecting. It, usually I don't have a lot of things planned in advance. I try to keep it simple. Um, but then when, when we do know in advance that we're going to have a full day, um, we actually, what we've been doing this year is something called uh, screen free Sundays. Um, it started kind of as an experiment to see, cause I, I was frustrated with how much time the kids spent on their devices. It's getting really hard now with my 11 year old. She's got her own uh, smartphone and yeah. uh, you know all her friends have smartphones and they're starting to get into the social media and snapchat and think she just got snapchat um, she was the last one in her class to get it her classmates had had it for a while <laughs> and uh, so eventually I just had a cave I, like I caved and yeah. I was like okay but it's going to be regulated, it's going to be monitored, and we still need to have plenty of outdoor time. So that was kind of the compromise. And so we have screen-free Sundays, and that's when I, too, try to go screen-free. And frankly, I think us adults need it as well. It's, I think it's been all, almost as hard, if not harder, for me to stay off my phone because I, I have so much work uh, connected to my phone. It's been pretty hard to do that, but I think it's really healthy. And to kind of get them to buy into this, because it was not easy. We are here with Linda McGurk talking about tips from her book, There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather, and we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the rest of the show. Basically, at first, they were like, no, 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 that that's not no fun. And the first couple of Sundays, my youngest daughter was it was it was a it was more or less a disaster. We're just projecting our own anxiety on these kids who kind of get robbed of part of their childhood. And Peter Gray is interesting. You brought him up, actually, because he also has this theory. When, when us parents, when we super, constantly supervise and direct kids' play and tell them what to do and what not to do and 
you know, tell them to get down from, you know, get down from there and you're going to get hurt and, uh, and, and all this, then the kids start to feel out of control. Like they, they, when they're not in control of their own play, then that can lead to anxiety and even depression later on. That's how it is for adults too. Like when we're, when we're feeling out of control, that's like a main factor behind anxiety. And so that's another reason why it's so important to let kids have a sense of direction and, you know, let them negotiate their own games. Don't always be in there and, and structure things for them. Let them, you know, you know, let them play on their own and, and, and learn how to negotiate and do those things on their own. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.